Welcome to the sermons of Steve Galloway, pastor of First Baptist Church, Macon, Mississippi. Let us join together and study God's Word and apply it to our hearts so that we may learn His truths and live faithful, obedient lives. May God bless our time together. Okay, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. We're continuing our study on the Sermon on the Mount. Allow me to read this passage. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if the eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Let's bow together in prayer. Dear Lord, we pray that you'll open our hearts to these truths. And Lord, as humans on this earth, Lord, it's so hard not to think of the things of this earth, the the physical, material things. But Lord, you command us, you call us to a, a greater understanding that there's something more than what we see with our eyes and feel with our hands and can see and understand to be material things. Lord, there's a spiritual realm that we are all a part of as children of God. Help us, Lord, to understand that today, to realize that our life here on earth is very brief and instead we need to be focusing and investing in eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Be honest with you, too, too often when we focus on passages like this, we wonder, well, is it wrong for me to save up money for the future? Is it wrong for me to have some investments for, for later on in life? And well, the thing is, material things are not evil in and of themselves. That's been debated throughout the centuries. But basically what we deal with is how do we view what we have? Do we see our material things and our desires for them in a greedy way where we want more and more and more and never are satisfied? We're never wanting to, to say, okay, I've got plenty. Or are we focusing on something totally different? See, the Bible tells us that we have a master. Whatever lords over us, whatever controls our desires becomes our master, our God. And so we're looking at this simple thing that we have simple necessities of life that we need to make sure that we meet, but then past the necessities, how much is our focus? Uh, I've been blessed to go into Belize and Brazil and do some mission trips, and you go into places and you go into the little bit small towns, and then you go into the burrios outside of these towns, and it's dirt streets, dirt floors for their houses, a little kind of clay blocks that they build with and the people are basically just trying to make ends meet to make sure they have enough beans and rice for the next day and so you know they're not thinking about greedy things they're not thinking about how much they can amass they're just trying to make sure they can live from day to day so we're not talking about that we're talking about the greediness of humankind of always wanting a little bit more now I'll be honest with you I doubt that there's anybody in this building today that is living day by day, hoping that they have enough to eat for the morrow. 
Uh, I definitely am not. I, I could live a few days without eating. I, I could make it probably quite a while. But we look and we see that it's not just the making sure we have the necessities of life that the Bible is talking about here. It is what controls our lives. What is it that we are desiring? What is it that lords over us? What is it that stays in the forefront of our thoughts and our desires? And so it really comes down to the heart. The heart is considered to be the key to our relationship with our Lord. So if we want to receive honor and glory, if we want to build up a relationship, uh, uh, way of people respecting us, seeing us as somebody who has power and control, who has prestige and who has wealth that we can do this, that, and the other, then we're in it the way that Jesus is complaining about the Pharisees. We're very greedy. We're very self-centered in nature. But if we are looking at our hearts being right with God and saying, you know, Lord, I'm here for a purpose. You put me here for a purpose. What is that purpose? How can I fulfill your will here on earth as it is in heaven. So we're not looking at how much wealth you have. It doesn't matter what dollar amount you put beside your name. That's immaterial. It's what controls your life. It's what controls your life. And so there are many biblical characters in, that we find. You, you can look at uh, Abraham was very wealthy, David, Solomon, uh, Job, Look at Joseph of Arimathea. He's a very wealthy man. But these are all men that God entrusted with his wealth so that they could use it for his glory. And so we look and we see that God felt that he could trust them to be good stewards of what he gave them. And that's really the question we need to ask is, am I a good steward of what God has gifted me with, what he has blessed me with? Otherwise, I'm being greedy and looking at my own self-centered desires. So verse 19 says, to store up for yourselves treasures on earth. So we look at treasures on earth, and what does that mean? Well, that's your self-centered, that's your fleshly desires being met. And he says, he describes basically three things. Uh, treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Well, you got to kind of put yourself back in Jesus' day. Most men only had two tunics, the one-piece garment they put over the head and cinched with a belt, and then an outer garment or a cloak. And so they didn't have a lot of clothing. But that one extra piece, you know, they would put in a sack and carry it with them, or if they did have a home, they'd have, you know, some little cupboard or some place that they kept it. Well... A moth could easily come in and destroy something that if you had multiple pieces of clothing and you didn't wear them all the time, uh, good chance that insects could invade and eat up those clothing and then you would have nothing. And so really what he's saying is that instead of saying, okay, look at all this wardrobe I have that could only be eaten up by moths, focus on things that are less material in nature. And then where rust destroys. Well, remember in Jesus' day, most work was done by hand. There's basically labors. And so, you know, the tools of the trade, going out into the fields, the things that you would use to reap the harvest, all these were made of metal. And if they were not used properly, if they were not stored properly, they could easily rust and become basically useless. And then he says, okay, let's say that you have stored up a lot of wealth. 
Well, it doesn't take very long before that word gets out. And you remember, in Jesus' day, they didn't have banks. They didn't have financial institutions. They didn't have online savings accounts. So if you had wealth, guess where it was? It was at home. And so if you bragged about it a little too much, somebody was probably going to come and take it away from you. So it could be taken away. In other words, the things of this earth are here today and gone tomorrow. Let's put it in today's perspective. You think that you own a lot of money or real estate or whatever you may have. Well, if you think about all the investments that you have, whether it's just a simple checking account or savings account or some type of you know, IRA or 401k, did you know that unless you have, it's not even paper money, it's actually made out of cotton and linen, if you have paper money, you say, okay, I have this money. But all these other amounts of wealth that you have, do you know what they really are? They're a bunch of zeros and ones in a computer system. That's all they are. There are there's no real cash. It's just basically a computer program saying that you are worth this amount of money. And so you look and say, well, you know, I'm basically just worth a bunch of zeros and ones. And most of us, most of our livelihood is in our homes. Everything that we've worked our entire lives is basically in that structure. All of our clothes, our possessions, our cars, and if fire or something like that swept through your house in a matter of minutes, it could all be gone. What is here today can easily be gone tomorrow. So where's our faith? What, what is it that we trust in? What is our God in life? Is it the things of life that we have worked decades to accumulate and what we still want to accumulate more and more of and never fully become satisfied with because we have this innate, greedy, self-centered lifestyle? Or are we saying, God, you have blessed me with these things. How can I use them in a way that honors you? Yes, I need to buy groceries. Yes, I need clothes to wear. Yes, I need uh, protection, a place to, to, to lay my head at night. Yes, there are necessities of life. But what is the focus on life? Is it on the things of this earth that could easily be taken away, lost forever, gone forever, or are we focused on the things of God? Now, let me just be real honest with you. When you think about spiritual things, it's hard to have a concept of them. We know who God is. He's the creator of all that has ever been created. He is the one who loves us, who gave his son Jesus to die for us. We understand a lot of these spiritual things, but we can't reach out and touch it. We can't actually see it. And so it's kind of abstract in our thoughts. But what we can touch, what we can see, that's real to us. And so it's hard for us as human beings to distinguish between the things of this earth and the things of heaven. It's hard for us to distinguish between the material things and the spiritual things. And so we as Christians are constantly battling this in life because, let's be honest, we're still flesh and blood, right? We still have a sin nature that we battle each and every day. 
we still had this desire that we become something special. And we sometimes have this understanding that we can make ourselves special, that we can make ourselves into what we want us to be, that we can gain this clout in society, that we can grow wealth, that we can control things. But in all honesty, it's all in God's hands. He could take everything that you have away from you in a heartbeat. He can take your life away from you in a heartbeat. So basically, we look at the treasures in heaven, and we're looking at the eternal things. What is it that we invest in in our lives today that has an eternal value? That's a pretty tough question to ask. How are we investing in eternity? Well, you say, okay, let's look at actual material things. You and I have a certain amount of wealth. How are we using that for God's glory? Do we give a tithe to the church in a blessed offering, something above and beyond the tithe, so that the ministries of this church continue on, so that as we give, and we give through the cooperative program, that missionaries in Mississippi and in the, uh, North America and in international countries continue to be able to do the work that God's called them for? Do we see that as we invest with our tithes and our offerings, that monies go to seminaries, they go to all sorts of different ministries that we don't even see, may have never even thought about, but God is getting the benefit from it, and spiritual things are taking place, and eternal differences are being made. That's just how we can invest financially so that God is going to be blessed and use these things as His blessing. Okay, get away from the, spirit, uh, the material things. How can we invest in eternity? How can we best invest in things that have an eternal nature to them? How about sharing Christ with someone? Sharing the message of salvation to someone that does not have Jesus as Savior and Lord of their life. To share the, the testimony of what God has done in your life so they can understand that that there is a transformation that can take place when we surrender our lives to the Lordship of Christ. Sharing Jesus, that can make an incredible eternal difference in the life of someone else. Just ministering in His name, knowing that there's a need in the community and saying, I'm bringing, a, I'm bringing some food, or I'm replacing something that you've lost. I'm doing it in Jesus' name. I'm not doing it for my glory. I don't want credit for it. As a matter of fact, if there's a way for me to do it without you even knowing that it's me doing it, that's a better way for me to do it. I just simply want to be a blessing to you because God has blessed me. So how many ways can we have treasures in heaven? How can we invest in things that have an eternal nature to them? We can actually use the material things we have through our investments through this church, and through other godly Christian organizations. There's far too many for me to even you know, share with you, but if God has laid on your heart a specific Christian organization that you feel led to support above and beyond your, your gifts to the church, praise the Lord. Allow that to be a way for you to invest in eternity. So. We're investing in things that cannot be eaten up by moss or destroyed by rust or stolen away. So where is our treasure? 
That's really the question of this passage. Where is your treasure? Is your treasure here on earth? Or is it eternal? Are we looking at what we can accomplish here on earth for our gain, for our glory, for people to look at us and say, wow, what a wonderful person. What a great person that is. Or are we investing in things where God gets the glory, God gets the honor, and our focus is on Him? Well, then we look on verses 22 and 23. It talks about the eye and the lamp and the body. The eye is the, well, let's just go back. The, the treasures on earth is basically dealing with the heart, and that's our inward desires. Well, the eye is more kind of dealing with our mind, our thoughts. And when we look at the eye, it's basically what we see. And what we see is not always godly. We look and we see that this life here on earth is sinful. We live among fleshly desires. We live in a world where we are tempted to do that which is evil all the time. And so what God is saying is, is your eye clear and is it full of light or is it dark? Is it full of darkness, evil? Basically, throughout the Word of God, you see this battle between light and darkness. God always represents light. Satan always represents darkness. God always represents light, which is good. Satan always represents darkness, which is evil. And talks about, you know, people do the evil things in the darkness to hide what they're doing. But if you are proud of what you're doing, you do it in the light. And so we look and we see that God is challenging us. Are we living a life that is filled with light, His light, His presence, His, His Spirit guiding us and working in us and through us? Or are we being self-centered and allowing ourselves to be sucked into the darkness of the fleshly desires? Are we worried about how can I move up in life? How can I make myself uh, more known to the people around me? Or am I looking at how God can use me? See, if we only focus on the self-centered things, we say, well, what does it really cost me? What does it cost me to have these self-centered desires? Well, we're going to get to the master in just a little while. You only have one master. And if you're really focusing on the self-centered things, then the other cannot be your master. See, do we sacrifice who we are as children of God so that we can have more things in life? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Material things are not evil in themselves. It is the hunger and the desire and the greed of wanting more and more. That is the sinful part. You can have great wealth, and God can use you in mighty ways. I think He has in the past. I know He has in the future. I know He has in the present. I know He will in the future. See, God knows who He can trust to be good stewards of what he gives them with. That good stewardship is not only with material things, but also with spiritual gifts that he knows that he can trust people with. So we look and we see you know, that our eyes are, if our eyes are clear and focus on the light, then we, that means that we're living a surrender life unto the Lord. It means that we rise up in the morning and we give him praise and honor and glory for who he is and we surrender our lives to him so that we can live for him that day. 
We praise him for the blessings we've already received that he has said, I entrust you with these things. And they may not be material blessings. They may be the peace and the comfort that he gives us in the times of strife. There's so many ways that God blesses us. Uh, we seek how we might be used each and every day. Lord, I want your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven that we see in that uh, wonderful model prayer that we dealt with just a few weeks ago. Are we truly thinking these types of thoughts? Are we truly praising God as we rise up in the morning? Are we really praising Him for what He has already done and will continue to do in our lives? Are we trusting Him to use us so that His will will be accomplished here on earth? See, as we look for His Spirit to guide us, He will come and show us the way. He will help us to know the path to go. He will instill in our hearts how we use this life here on earth for the glory of God. See, we either want to be in control or we want to surrender control. There's really no, no two ways about it. There's no middle ground. We either want to be in control of everything we do, how it affects us, what the out, end outcome would be, or we want to surrender that control to the Lordship of Christ and allow Him to work in us and through us and for His outcome to come. So we look and we understand that when God is in control of our lives, He'll meet our needs. And we'll see that more next week in the following passage. But if our eyes are filled with darkness, how dark is it? That's basically what the scripture says. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? There again, it doesn't take much for us to take our eyes off of God, does it? All we got to do is just let ourselves start thinking self-centered thoughts. You know, I would like this, I would like this, I would like to gain this, I would like to, you know, just self-centered. And it's so easy because our entire world is focused on self. That's why Facebook and Twitter and all Instagram and everything that's out there, all these social medias, folks, those aren't the real people. That's what they want you to see. That's how they want to be appearing to you. They don't show them when they're down. They don't show when they're crying. They don't show when some tragedy has happened. They only show the good things that they're proud of in life. We look and we see that this is just a false smokescreen of life. Yet most people think, well, that's how I want my life to be. Why can't my life be like this person, this influencer that's on all these uh, social medias? Why can't my life be that perfect? Folks, their life isn't perfect either. It's just what they're portraying. But that's what our world is showing, that if you try hard enough, if you work hard enough, if you determine so much, if you give so much, then you can have this life as well. Folks, it's a lie. There are people who've worked very hard to become very successful. No doubt about it. They're very driven. But at what cost? At what cost? Is it for their glory or for God's glory? You've probably heard this illustration. John D. Rockefeller Sr., very wealthy man in his time, 
was once asked in an interview, with all your wealth, how much more do you need? And he said, just a little bit more. Never satisfied. Never satisfied. Just a little bit more. Is that your heart's desire? To have just a little bit more and never truly ever find satisfaction? Or is your heart saying, Lord, it's not mine, it's yours. I have nothing that I can claim as my own. My life is yours. What wealth, what material things I have are yours. Let my house be a place where I can open it and use it for your honor, for your glory. May the finances that I have be used as a good steward to invest in the lives and the ministries of others. May everything I say and do bring honor and glory to you. May I rise up in the morning with praise in my heart for who you are, what you're doing in my life. May I look and focus on how you can use me to bring your kingdom that's in heaven down to earth so that we can be a part of what you desire to take place right here, right now. That's the difference. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. So what's your focus? We look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You know, we really don't talk about slavery. But in Jesus' day, it was a very, very real thing. A master would purchase a slave, and that slave was his exclusively. He wasn't going to share that slave with someone else. He had paid a price for that slave, and that slave was to be devoted totally to him. Now, if that slave decided, well, you bought me, I'm supposed to be yours, I'm supposed to be totally devoted to you, but I'm going to work for somebody else, you think that's going to go over very well? No. Basically, he's saying, you know, a slave can only have one master. Well, we look in our lives, child of God can only have one master. It's either me or it's God. It's either me or it's God. There's no in-between. So who's the master? Is it you? Is it me? I want to have my way. I want my life the way I want it. And I'll do whatever I have to to get it to where I want it. And I probably will never be satisfied. So I will spend my entire life looking for ways to satisfy me and my flesh. Or is God our master? Is he the master of our lives? Is our focus in life on him and his will for our lives? Are we saying, Lord, since the day that I gave my life to you and you saved me from my sins and you gave me your gift of eternal life, you've also given me something else. You've given me your spirit to live in me. Lord, help me today and every day to live a surrendered life so that it is you living through me to accomplish your good and acceptable and perfect will. Lord, as long as I'm living that way, then I know that you'll get the honor and the glory and not me. And as a result, you'll bless me, you'll meet my needs, and I will find peace and joy in my life.
There's one thing when I am master of my life, I'm probably never going to find true joy. True joy is saying, I am satisfied with the way I am today. As long as I have a greedy desire, as long as I have this self-centered nature, then I will never be satisfied with what I have today. I will never have true joy in my life. But the moment I surrender to the Lordship of Christ and He is the guiding force in my life, the Bible says that He will give us joy and our joy will be full. Isn't that what we really want? Shouldn't that be what we really want? Well, let's kind of wrap this up. No one perfectly lives a life of the Lord at all times. I don't and you don't. Let's just be honest, right? We cannot be perfect in our relationship with the Lord. But we, as children of God, we still struggle with our sin nature. But the more we focus on God, what He has already done in our lives, the promise that He has said that I will never leave you nor forsake you, His promise that our needs will be met, and on top of that, as we serve Him, He will bless us beyond measure. When we focus on God and His blessings in life and how He desires to use us, for His glory, for His honor, then we'll be living in a way that truly brings the right relationship. So the question is, are we living for the temporal, the things of this earth, or for the eternal, the things of heaven? I've already shared with you, things of this earth, you can reach out and touch, you can see it, it's real to you, and it's so easy for our focus to be on the things of this earth. The things of eternity, the things of heaven, are more abstract. They're spiritual in nature. It's hard for our minds to, to comprehend how when we give of our finances to, to support the ministries, that lives are actually being changed and that people are no longer heading towards hell. Instead, their lives are being transformed by the power of the Spirit of God and they are now going to have eternal life with the Lord. It's hard for us to comprehend Comprehend that. It's hard for us to think that I might actually be able to share my personal testimony and a simple plan of salvation and share it in such a way that the Holy Spirit would use it and lead someone to Christ so that their eternal life will be changed forevermore. It's hard for us to comprehend that. It's so much easier for us to see the, the dollar marks and the physical things, the material things that we can reach out and grab and touch and see and it is for us to focus on that which is spiritual. But God's saying, doesn't matter whether it's easy or not, this is the right thing to do. This is the right thing to do. Get your mind off of self. Get your mind off of the material things. Get your mind off the self-centered desires and focus on me, and I will give you the desires of your heart. Now, when he says that, He's not saying he'll give us anything that we want to. He won't give us the car of our dreams, the house of our dreams, or anything like that. He may, but I doubt it. What he really will give us, if he gives us desires of our hearts, and our heart's desire is to please him, then he will use us in a way that honors him. And we will be blessed in ways that we cannot fully comprehend. But material things, are they good or bad? Neither. They're not evil. 
Somebody asked, well, if, if somebody won the jackpot at one of the casinos, would you take their tithe? Sure. Satan's had it long enough. Let God use it. <coughs> Folks, material things are not evil in of themselves. It's what God can do with it. If we surrender all that we have to him, it's amazing what he could do. It's not ours anyway. Not if you're a child of God. You don't own anything. Everything you have is a gift of God. Think about that. Let's close with prayer. Dear Lord, we confess to you that it is so difficult for us to keep our eyes off the material things of life and not to want more. Lord, we're so tempted by the world around us that to have more, to have more prestige, more power, more control, more things is important. But Lord, according to your will, these things on earth can be here today and be gone tomorrow. Lord, what is more important is what lasts for eternity. The first thing we need to know is, Lord, that we will live with you for all of eternity. So, Lord, the first question we must ask is, Lord, is my heart right with you? Have I truly surrendered to Jesus as Savior and Lord of my life? And, Lord, am I living in a way that shows that? Am I living in a way that is controlled by your Spirit living in me, allowing you to work in me and through me to do your good and perfect will, to take control of my thoughts, my desires, my words, my deeds, my entire being, Lord, is that the way I'm living? Or, Lord, am I living according to my own desires? Lord, we can only have one master. It's either ourself or you. Help us to understand which it is today. And may we truly surrender to you. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you have given us. And, Lord, thank you that you've called us to be good stewards of all that you have given. Help us, Lord, be found faithful in using all that you've given us in a way that brings honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.